Amen. Well, good morning. All right, Elevation Church is half awake at least. That's good. I like it. That's better than a lot of times, you know. Sometimes we're only partially awake. Sometimes we're all the way. Sometimes I say that and I get nothing. So it's good to see that some of you guys are awake and ready. Uh, I'm very awake this morning. Not only am I highly caffeinated, which is pretty normal on a Sunday morning, but I've got a lot of just like excitement because of the teaching series that we're starting today. It's a series called Go Fish. And if you've been around Elevation Church very long at all, you know that Pastor Todd loves to go fish. I am a fisherman for the good things that go with that and the bad things that go with that. But we're going to get into a verse of Scripture and really we're going to spend several weeks unpacking all of the implications contained in this one short phrase, this one short verse. It's Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, we find Jesus walking by the lakeside. He's just walking along. He sees some fishermen out there doing their fishing thing, and he says to them a phrase that almost everybody in this room probably already knows. He says, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, they were fishermen, but they fished for fish. And so this phrase sounds very simple, but there's a lot going on in that short little phrase. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So we're going to spend several weeks unpacking all of the implications of that phrase by going through this series, Go Fish. Now, because I am a fisherman, because I love to go fish, as we go through this series, I just want to give you a forewarning. I will regale you with stories of my fishing expeditions and exploits. You will hear fish stories. You will hear about the big fish. You'll hear about the ones that got away. You're going to hear all kinds of my fishing bragging stories. You're going to see pictures of me with fish. You'll see the ones where it's a little fish, but I hold it out towards the camera so it looks bigger. Y'all ever seen that fishing trick? That's, a, that's an old fisherman's trick right there. You hold that little fish out towards the camera, and all of a sudden it looks really big, right? I got some video. We're going to have a lot of fun with the idea, with the concept of fishing. In fact, I got into preparation for this message series probably deeper than I've ever prepared for any series before. I got really heavily, deeply into my preparation. I started months ago planning this series. That's why I'm so excited that it's finally here. I've been working on this in my mind. I've been working on this in my heart. I've been praying about this. I've been listening to the Lord. I've been reading. I got real, I mean, I like got into my preparation. Here, take a look at this video and you'll see what I mean. This was back in May. Good morning, Elevation Church. It is uh, almost 6 o'clock in the morning, about 58, 59 degrees. I've been on the road for about an hour and a half now, headed to one of my favorite places on earth, Lake Fork, Texas, big bass capital of the state of Texas. I am out today after a 10-pound bass. 
I've been on a quest for the 10 pound bass for 30 years. And I'm hoping that today is the day. Let's go fishing. I told you I got deep into my preparation, man. I took this fishing thing seriously. Jesus said, go make fishers of men. I figured if I was going to make fishers of men, I better practice on the real fish first. And so I spent several days back in May and even in early June going out to Lake Fork. As I said, the big bass capital of the state of Texas. Lake Fork has uh, like 35 or 6 of the top 50 bass ever caught in the state came from that lake. State record came from that lake. My, my friend there, Jerry, he's my fishing guide on Lake Fork. I've been fishing with Jerry, I think, 15 years now. And, and so when I get a chance to go fishing, then I go fishing with Jerry on Lake Fork if I can. And when I knew I was going to be preaching about going fishing, I thought there was no better excuse for a trip to the lake than that. But that's enough about me and my fishing exploits for now, anyway. Let's get back into Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. When Jesus called those fishermen, when he called out to them and said, come and follow me, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What Jesus was really doing was he was calling the very first Christian evangelists. The very first Christian evangelists. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you evangelists in pursuit of people. The thing is evangelism wasn't new when Jesus said that. Evangelism's been around about as long as, as people have been around. Because anybody who ever had a product or a service to market really participated in a form of evangelism. Evangelism is basically telling somebody about something good. It's going and sharing good news. In the case of Christian evangelism, it's sharing the good news of Jesus. That we are separated from God because of our sin, but God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, to pay the price for us, to reconcile us to God the Father so that we can live a blessed life now and a blessed life in eternity with him. That's good news. If you've ever been to the movies and you saw a great movie and you shared with somebody else what a great movie that was, you took part in, in a form of evangelism. It's like person-to-person -person marketing. If you've been to a great restaurant and you told somebody about that great restaurant, that's a, a type of evangelism. You're sharing the good news about this great restaurant. Anytime you've ever done that, you've taken part. So evangelism has, in, in a very real way, been around for a long, long time. And yet, Christian evangelism, if you look at all of the businesses, all of the different entities and organizations, even the other religions in the world, if you look at everything throughout the scope of history, you can make a very strong, in fact, I would say an airtight case, that Christian evangelism is the most successful evangelistic effort in all of history. Now, that's a big boast, but I think we can back it up. I mean, you can look at the church today. It started with a handful of people 2,000 years ago. It's a global movement today. 
Pastor Nick shared with us last week, the church has never grown faster. It's never been bigger than right now today. It's crazy to think about something that's been around that long and is still gaining momentum because there are still people who follow Jesus' example and they go and they make fishers of men. They go and fish for men. So evangelism, uh, from a Christian standpoint, we've been the most successful ever. The, the church has been very, very successful. And I think one of the great um, questions in, in fishing for men and being evangelistic is how has the church been so successful and why is the church still successful in fishing for men? And the answers, I believe, in fact, I know, are found right here in the pages of Scripture, right here in, your, in my Bible, right there in your Bible. And so today, we're going to open up to two gospel accounts, the gospel account of Matthew and the gospel account of Luke. We just happen to be in chapter 10 of both. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 10. So if you want to open your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 10, you can follow along with me. If you don't have your Bible with you, like on a smartphone or a paper version in your hands, we put the verses up on the screen so you can read along and participate. So let's go and start finding out why the Christian church has been such an evangelistic success throughout history. Matthew chapter 10, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who was the one who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. In that passage, there are some really important fishing messages, some, some principles that we can follow to be good fishermen when you talk about fishing for men. There are also good principles for fishing for fish, if you just want to, I'm just saying. So some of the elements of that, some of the fishing principles that I see, and frankly, there are so many here, we could spend weeks just unpacking this verse. But two that I want to start with today is, number one, you have to be licensed to fish. You need a license to fish. This is my fishing license from the state of Texas. This entitles me to fish in the public waters of this state. It is issued to me by the state, actually through one of the state's agencies, the Texas Parks and Wildlife. They are the agency who has authority over all of the game fish and game animals in the state of Texas. And so I have my fishing license here. I am licensed to fish 
in the state of Texas. And so if I wasn't licensed to fish in the state of Texas, it would not be a good thing for me to be out on the water fishing. But because I am licensed, I can fish on any public water in the state without fear, without worry. I'm not breaking any laws. I'm following. I'm doing the right thing. You've got to be licensed to fish. I'm licensed to fish in Texas. I'm also a licensed fisher of men. I'm a licensed fisher of men. And if you look in that passage, right in verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. He gave them authority. Just as the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department gives me authority. See, they have the authority to convey to me the authority to fish. Jesus has the authority, and he conveys to his followers the authority to be fishers of men. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are licensed to fish. You're licensed to fish. That's good news. Maybe you didn't know you had a fishing license. Maybe you thought you had to do something special to get it. What you have to do is be a follower of Jesus. Commit your life to him. Submit to his authority, and he will convey his authority to you. He gave these fishermen the authority, and he gives you and I the authority to go and fish for men. Now, my fishing license from the state of Texas has an expiration date on it. It actually expires here in a couple of weeks. Fishing licenses and hunting licenses in Texas are good from September the 1st of one year through August the 31st of the following year. So, like, that's three or four weeks away from me. I'm going to have to buy a new license here in a little while, a couple of weeks. And that license has a fee. Yeah, the state of Texas does not convey to us freely the right to fish, the privilege to fish in its public waters. I have to pay a fee. Now, my fishing license is like 20-something, 22 or $24, I don't remember. Um, I buy a combo license, hunting and fishing together. It's like $64 for everything that I buy. Not a lot of money, but that's my money. That's hard-earned money. I work hard. My wife works hard. We don't like just throw away 60 bucks for nothing. So when I buy a fishing license, I want to make use of that license by fishing as often as I can. I want to get the biggest bang for my buck that I can possibly get. I do not want to waste my money. I don't want to pay the price but not follow through with doing the activity. Your fishing license to fish for men has a much higher cost than $60, $20. It cost Jesus his life. His very life was given so that you might be free to fish. That's a high price to pay, and it's a cost that is far too great to waste. You're licensed to fish. Don't waste the license. Let's go fish. I mean, let's go fish. It's fun to fish. Principle number one, you're licensed to fish. Fishing principle number two. This is an important one. Fishermen are strategic. Fishermen are strategic. We are strategic planners. When I get ready to go fishing, when I prepared for that trip that I took with Jerry that day, I spent weeks, literally, thinking about that trip. I spent days getting my gear ready because I hadn't fished in a few months. And I, I put new line on all my reels, made sure I had the right lures in my tackle boxes. Yes, that was plural. 
My wife knows you don't have to go tell on me. I, I did a lot of work in preparation, but I also did some planning. I planned where I was going. I planned what I was fishing for. I planned what I was going to use. A lot of planning goes into a fishing trip. Strategic planning prevents waste. It prevents me from wasting my time on the water. See, if I didn't have a plan and I just woke up one morning and said, I'm going fishing, and I walk out into my garage and I look at all of my fishing gear, and I have not yet decided what I am fishing for, now I've got to grab all of my, you know, my bass fishing rods, my, my catfish fishing rods, probably my fly rods so I can go like fish for, for brim or perch or bluegill or whatever you want to call them. They go by a million names. I've got to have all of this gear. I've got the whole back of my truck loaded down with gear, and, and then I don't know where I'm going. Am I going to go to Lake Louisville? Am I going to go to Lake Grapevine? Am I headed to some private ponds that I know? Maybe a couple of creeks that I enjoy fishing? Where am I? I could drive around for hours going from spot. I'm not fishing yet. I spent all this time loading my gear, all this time driving around. See, I waste a lot of time if I don't have a plan. But if I know the night before where I'm going fishing and what I'm fishing for, everything from that, I know what gear to take. I know what time of the morning I want to wake up. I know where I want to be at what times during the day. I have a plan. I can maximize my fish catching potential. And let me tell you, when I go fishing, I promise you the goal is to catch fish. It's to catch many fish or to catch big fish or ideally to catch many big fish. Right? I mean, that's what fishing's about. I take people fishing all the time. I love to take people fishing. And when I take somebody fishing and they don't catch fish, it breaks my heart because I know I might have lost somebody right there. They may not ever want to go fishing again. The poor cameraman that I took on that trip to Lake Fork, God bless him. It was Grant. Those of you who were here at the beginning of June and my friend uh, that used to be in my student ministry years ago, Grant Skeldon came and spoke. Grant was the cameraman on this trip. Grant had never fished before. We put a rod and reel in Grant's hands. He was awful. He could, I mean, he, was ter- he couldn't hit what he was aiming at or anything. We're trying to help the boy catch a fish. He didn't catch a fish. By the end of the day, he was so beaten down. Hated that. I don't know why I'm telling you that story. So anyway, where am I? I keep notes in here so I don't do that. And there I go doing it. So strategic planning. Strategic planning prevents wasting your time. It helps you to maximize your fish catching potential. It's that plan, it dictates everything that you do, and it begins with knowing what you're fishing for. Know what you're fishing for. And that knowing what you're fishing for dictates the time and the place and the gear and the bait. You've got to plan your fishing expeditions when you're fishing for people, too. Take a look at this video of the planning session that Jerry and I went through before we launched that day onto the lake. think getting started this morning we're going to be doing more shallow water stuff as the day progresses and it gets hotter are going to move down into the, the deeper water and start throwing yes sir bigger baits out deeper we'll go out deeper so we could start off and right through here hit these couple of pockets just the point part okay uh, you know try to try to do maybe with some top waters and uh, jigs or small cranks we've got deep water relative to it so you know it gives us a good open area that we can cover lots of water and then as the day progresses, we'll go look for some of those fish that are already in that summer pattern. So we already know that they're, well, we think we know what they're going to be doing because of history and, and having 
been out and, and pre-fished and checked out the water and you're out here a lot. Yes, sir. So strategically, we've got a plan. We're geared up, hooked up, and ready to roll. Exactly. Why aren't we fishing yet? Because we're sitting here. Let's go fishing. All right. And we did go fishing. Oh, did we go fishing. But we planned first. See that 15 minutes sitting in Jerry's driveway? We were like half a mile from the lake. I could smell the lake water. I could see the trees. I could see the birds circling out there over the lake looking for minnows. You know, at the top. I wanted to be out there fishing so bad. But I knew that that investment in time to get the map out, to lay it on the deck of the boat, to look at it, to strategically plan what we're fishing for, I told Jerry that day, we're targeting big bass. I told you in the video, I've been on a quest for 30 years to catch a 10-pound bass. I said, I don't care about catching numbers. If we only get one bite today, I want it to be a 10-pounder. Let's go fish for big fish. So we started looking at the map. He's talking about the time of the year and where the fish are going to be, what kind of activity the fish are going to be involved in. At that time, they were coming out of their spawn and transitioning into more of a summertime feeding pattern. And so we started planning what, what lures to use. I'm a lure fisherman, just for the record. Not a big live bait guy. Love to fish with artificials. And so we're, we're fishing with these lures. He says, okay, so we're going to use this kind of lure in this part of the lake. We go to this part of the lake later in the day. We'll be fishing deeper water. It'll be this kind of lure. And, and these are the things that the, the bass should be responding to. These targeting areas that we're looking at, these are where I have caught big fish before. This is where I think we can maximize your opportunity to catch the target fish, the 10-pound bass. We planned strategically what we were going to do. Jesus gave his disciples a strategic plan in verses 5 through 8. Verses 5 through 8, there in Matthew chapter 10. He sent the disciples out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The first thing Jesus t t uh, told them in this strategic plan is who to fish for. The most important thing that pops off the page here, who are you fishing for? Because who you are fishing for when you fish for men determines where you go fishing. It determines the tactics that you use, the baits that you use. Jesus said, go to the lost sheep of Israel. You're fishing for the Jewish people, the lost sheep of Israel. Go there. Where do you go? You go where they are. You don't go among the Gentiles or any towns of the Samaritans. You do go where the lost sheep of Israel are. So they know where to fish. I'm sorry, they know what to fish for, who they're fishing for. They know then where to fish. And then Jesus tells them strategically what baits they're to use. What, what are they to fish with? He says, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. He's telling them, you need to go and tell the lost sheep of Israel, hey, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The one that you've been waiting on, the Messiah, is here. This is an important message. This is a, a message that these Jewish men and women would have responded to. They've been looking forward to the coming of the Messiah for generation upon generation upon generation. Jesus is saying, this is what they need to hear. This is what they're going to respond to. This is what you tell them. He goes on and says, 
also heal and raise the dead and drive out demons and, and do all, cleanse those with leprosy. Do all of the, these are all things that these people will respond to. These are good things, tactical things that you can do so that they will be open and receptive to your message. We've got to have a plan when we go fishing for men. We're not fishing for the lost sheep of Israel exclusively today, although they're certainly on the uh, target species list, if you will. We're just fishing for the lost in general. What do I mean by lost? I mean people who don't know Jesus. People who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus as their Savior and also as their Lord. That's an important thing, that relationship, because that's what makes us Christians. That's what gives us, remember, the license to fish. It's what gives us salvation from our sin and freedom and blessing in this life and the next. And so we want to share, evangelize, that good news of Jesus with those who don't yet have it. It wouldn't make sense for us to evangelize one another, Christian brothers and sisters, would it? If I just picked out the Christians in the room today and said, I just want to share with you the good news of Jesus, you'd be like, um... Got that. I'm good. Right? So we don't want to share the good news with other believers in Christ. We want to share the good news with those who don't yet know it, have not yet responded to it. We want to get out into the places then, where to fish, that people who are far from Christ hang out. So let's think about that for a moment. Where do lost people hang out? Pretty much everywhere you go. Pretty much everywhere that you go, you have an opportunity to be in front of, to be in a relationship with, to be able to evangelize somebody who's far from Jesus. Start with your own home. Look at the people living under your own roof, if you're a believer in Christ. Who under your roof doesn't yet know Jesus? Start fishing. Start fishing for them. Share the good news. Model what it means to live that blessed life that Jesus said he came to give us. Let them see in you the good of the gospel. Where else? Probably in your workplace, adults. I'll bet in your workplace, there are people who don't know Jesus. Even if you work at the church, shh, don't tell anybody. There could be Christians or, or people in the church who maybe are not Christians. But, but wherever you work, whatever you do, there are people there that you have influence with, people there that you have some sway with who are far from Christ that you can share, you can fish, you can evangelize. Go where the lost people are. Fish for them. We know who we're fishing for. We know... Where to go and fish? I mean, we know that two-thirds of our community out there is far from God. Two-thirds of our community is far from Christ. we got all kinds of fishing opportunities. We know what we can share with them, the good news of Jesus. The best way to share the good news of Jesus with somebody who is far from God is to learn how to tell your own testimony, your story, in two minutes. Two minutes. This is an exercise I used to do with volunteer leaders in the church. I would say, hey, when you're talking to somebody who doesn't know God, who's far away, who, who's not even sure who this Jesus character is, but they're open, they're receptive, then you've got about two minutes of conversation time before they're checking out on you. 
Most Christians would struggle to give their testimony, their story in 20 minutes. We think we've got to give every detail. You know what? You can give your story real quick. I can give you my story in a nutshell. Here's my story. I was raised in a pretty good household, middle America, middle income, middle everything, good parents, Eagle Scout, great student, straight A's, screwed up. I was big time screwed up. I thought I was fine, but I was screwed up. I did a lot of stupid things. I was a major league sinner. And I could list for you all the number of sins. It's not important. Here's what I can tell you. At 20 years old, I was broken. I was so lost and hurt. I was doing, name a sin, I was in it. Just, I mean, figure it out. I mean, you just lob one up here. Yes, I was there. Okay? And then one day, it occurred to me through a series of circumstances, consequences for some of my bad actions, that there's got to be more to this life than this. And as I sat there thinking about that, I, I had this urge to check out God, this God person. And so I began to ask some Christians that I knew about God, and I went to church a few times, and I heard some things, and I saw grace in action, and, and I was so convicted that I prayed to commit my life to Jesus. And my life has been different ever since. I've never had that broken feeling. I still go through stuff, but I've never been broken like I was then. I've never been just so lost and confused and just misunderstood my own self like I did back then. In fact, my life hasn't been perfect since then, but I wouldn't trade it back for anything in the world. That was somewhere right around the two-minute mark. I'd be willing to bet. The guys in the back are going to time that later and check me on that. You can share that truth in just a few minutes. People can argue theology with you all day long. They really can't argue your own story. So when you get a chance to share your story to fish, that's your bait. That should be your go-to lure right there. What has Jesus done in your life? Two minutes. Two minutes. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 10 to continue with our fishing principles. We've got two principles in the bag. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. There are two more principles that we're going to talk about today. We find them here in this passage, Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 12. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Heavy. Some great fishing principles contained here. Let's look at verse 2. Jesus told them the harvest is plentiful, 
but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That's fishing principle number three. There are plenty of fish. There are plenty of fish. Sometimes when I'm out on the lake and I'm fishing and I'm not catching, I get really frustrated and I'm like, there are no fish in this lake. There's no fish in this pond. There's no fish in this stream. There's no fish. Just because I'm not catching fish doesn't mean there are no fish. I have the same frustration sometimes when I'm fishing for men, when I'm out there sharing the gospel. Sometimes it's when I'm in here talking to you guys, and all I get is blank stares. I see it. I know. I know some of you nod off sometimes. I've watched my videos. I don't blame you sometimes. Let's just be honest, okay? But here's the deal. When I am fishing and not catching, that doesn't mean the fish are not there. When I go to the lake and I fish and I don't catch, I have a sonar, just, you know, that thing that submarines do, that ping, ping. Fishermen use those too. It's not fair. But we do anyway. So we've got this thing on my boat, and it sends a ping out, and it comes back, and it shows me on a little LCD readout screen if there are fish present in the water where I'm fishing. Now it doesn't tell me what kind of fish, doesn't tell me how big they are, but I can see kind of what depth level they're at, and I can tell sort of, the size that they are, depending on the, how big the mark is, I know sometimes that the fish are present. And I'm fishing, and they're not biting, and I still say there's no fish. Sometimes when I'm out evangelizing, when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, and I'm looking to meet people who don't know Jesus, and all I keep meeting are Christians, or people who say they're Christians. I meet somebody, and I start sharing with them. Like, I was at the car wash not long ago, and I struck up a conversation with somebody. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, uh, which, which car is yours? Oh, it's the, the Lexus back there. Oh, cool. That's my, my Ford F-150 over there. Oh, great. That's cool. I was looking at one of those the other day. I was thinking about buying a, a pickup. How do you like that Ford? I love my truck. It's great. I've only had this one for a little while, but I had one before. It was awesome. Da, da, da. We talked for a little bit. and like, hey, so what do you do for a living? Oh, well, I'm, in, I'm you know, uh, an executive in a construction company. And, and uh, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. Uh, I started a church in Flower Mound just a couple of years ago. It's a small church, but growing. It's really, really cool. Really? Oh, that's great. Yeah, my wife and I, um, we, we go to a, name a church in town. Okay, cool. That's great. Talk for a little bit more. So, you know, we part company, cars are done, go on. Same day, walk into a convenience store, start talking to the guy behind the checkout counter. We get into this conversation. Eventually, he asks me what I do for a living because I won't leave, I think. And I tell him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I go to name another church in town. Come on, God, two out of three. I can't find one? Seriously. Talk to my neighbors, talk to the, the, the parents of my, my kids' friends at school, talk to the kids' parents that are on the softball team. I, it seems like I'm sure everywhere I go, it's, it's nothing but, but people who already know Christ. And maybe you've been like that too. Maybe you've invited people to Elevation Church, and they haven't come. You've invited them and invited them and invited them, they haven't come. You've invited them, they say, oh, well, I go here, I go there, I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Baptist, we do this, we do that, whatever the case may be. And you get frustrated after a while, and you're like, there are no lost people in Flower Mound. I hear Pastor Todd say two out of three, I'm calling bull, that's not right. They're all saved, everybody goes to church, they all go to the big church or the small church or the church out of town, nobody needs a church. Why did he even start a church here? Well, you're here. 
And some of y'all didn't come from other churches. Some of y'all came right out of lost land. And I'm glad that you're here. I'm thankful for it. And I'm reminded every time I get frustrated that there are plenty of fish. And by the way, if you want to check my numbers on that two out of three, it's spurlingsbestplaces.com. S-P-E-R-L-I-N-G-S, bestplaces.com. It's a research. They have all kinds of information on there. You can spend hours wading through it. I can't tell you exactly which page it was on, but I think it's actually they have a tab for religion. Go check it out. You can enter the zip code, 75028 or 75022. It'll tell you right about our town. There was a 2010 survey, 66% said they had no church affiliation at all, 66. 2012, I think it dropped to um, 64. We had a 2% increase. I'm pretty sure that's because we're here. I'm just saying. So the numbers are real. Check me on it if you don't believe me. When you get out there and you're frustrated, go back onto Spurlings and double check. It's still real. Two out of three are still lost. A lot of times when they tell you, I go to this church or I'm this, this denomination or whatever, that's a smoke screen. That's a smoke screen. Keep fishing. Keep fishing. There's plenty of fish. Lake Fork has millions of bass. Millions. They stock them in there like 600,000 at a time every year. Been doing it for 30 years. Millions of bass. And sometimes I still have a bad day on the lake and can't even get a bite. But it's not because there's no fish. There's millions in there. Keep fishing. There's plenty of fish. Fishing principle number four. Kind of plays in hand in hand with uh, the fact that there's plenty of fish, we just need to keep on fishing. Principle number four, you got to go where the fish are. Now, this principle will continue to unpack over the next several weeks because there's so many like little sub-things as a part of this principle. But today, I want to focus on one of those little kind of subordinate points under the fact that we have to go where the fish are. This little sub-point is that you have to know when to keep fishing where you are and when to reel in, put your rod on the deck, fire up the big motor, and run across the lake and fish somewhere else. you got to know when to fish and when to cut bait. And that's a really challenging thing for a lot of Christians. Here's what Jesus said about fishing or cutting bait. He said that when they roll into a town and they're welcomed, I'm paraphrasing now, that they should hang out there and eat what they're given to eat, and they should do the ministry they've been called to do there. But when they go into a town and they're not welcomed, we're down around verse 8 through 10 here, then they're to leave that town, and they're to rebuke that town. It says they should even brush the dirt off of their sandals, and not privately, but like go into the streets, go out into the public eye and go, you know what? I don't even want the dirt from this town on my feet because y'all are so wrong. You are so unreceptive to the gospel. It is not going to go well for you. And on Judgment Day, it'll be better for Sodom. And if you don't know the story about Sodom and Gomorrah, go check that out on your own time after the service today. It'll be better for Sodom, a very sinful city in the Old Testament, on Judgment Day than it is for, for you guys, this town here today. Sometimes you've got to keep fishing and persist and have patience that's the part that a lot of people hate in fishing, the persistence and the patience. And sometimes you've got to cut bait and leave. Here's what that looks like in real life. When I am talking to a person 
that I know is the right kind of fish. They're lost. They're somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And I give them the gospel and I share with them, maybe in more than a two-minute testimony, maybe I'm really investing in this person and I'm spending time. I've been persistent, right? They've, they've, they didn't bite into two-minute testimony. We have lunch sometime. They're still not responding. I have them over to the house. Their family comes over, hangs out with my family. We go swimming. I cook out. We sit around the patio table. I talk about Jesus. I talk about the church. I invite them in. They refuse. They don't come. I'm hours into this investment. I'm days and months sometimes and years into this investment. And, and I've persisted and I've been patient. And at some point I have to realize, and this is generally a spirit-led thing for me, at some point I have to realize this is not a receptive person. They're not ready to hear what I am saying. And rather than beat them on the head with my Bible for days and weeks and months and years and just continue to pound them and pound them and pound them with the gospel, maybe I ought to just go fish somewhere else. In, in fishing for fish, this is what it looks like. I roll up on a fishing hole where I have caught fish before. Jerry and I just went through this in May. We start fishing. The sonar says the fish are there. We're seeing them. We know they're there. We're fishing. We cannot get a bite. Now, this is a fishing hole that for 15 years, we have never failed to catch fish at this place. It's such a popular fishing hole. On Lake Fork, they call it Community Hole because the whole community knows about that fishing hole. Everybody knows. And that's the problem is those fish have now been beaten over the head with the same lures and the same presentations every day, year after year, constantly fished, 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 fished. Pounded, beaten, pounded, beaten. They've been caught and caught and caught and caught. They've seen their family and their friends be caught and reeled in and don't come back. And it freaks them out and they stop biting. They're like resistant. Those fish are uncatchable. And Jerry and I ran into that. We fished on and we could not get a bite. And finally we got frustrated. We knew there were fish. We didn't say there's no fish here. We just said, you know what? These fish are not receptive right now. They're either not hungry or they're so beat up that they don't want to bite anymore. And so we're going to leave these fish alone and we're going to cruise around the lake and we're going to burn gas and, and time and money and everything else doing it, but we're going to cruise around the lake and we're going to find a place where the fish are ready, where they're receptive, when they're in a feeding mood. And so we did and we started catching fish again. You got to know when it's time to cut bait. Don't beat that person with your Bible. Don't beat them with it. Persist. Be patient. There's a statistic out there that says the average person has to hear the good news of Jesus seven times before they make a faith decision. Seven times. Some of you are like, I only had to hear it once. Okay, curve buster. For you, there's somebody on the other end of the spectrum that had to hear it 14 times. Right? That's how you average out to seven. I'm just saying. So all of you heroes out there that only had to hear about Jesus one time and make a decision, there are knuckleheads like me who didn't make faith decisions until they were 20, 21 years old because we were so convinced that that couldn't be right. I don't know how many times I had to hear the gospel. I know the one time that it counted. Who knows how many times before that. Average is seven. You got to be patient. You got to be persistent. But you also got to know sometimes you just got to cut bait, leave that person be, and go find fresh fish. Somebody who's not calloused and beaten up. Somebody who's more receptive and ready for what you are offering. Hard for Christians to do because Christians, I think, often feel 
this conviction that we have to have a catch. If I go out with a plan to evangelize, then by the end of the day, somebody must have hit their knees and submitted to Jesus or I failed. Anybody, don't raise your hands. Any of you ever been guilty? I have. I feel like if I've got to go share the God, especially as a pastor, now that like ratchets the, the pressure level up because now I'm a professional Christian, right? They pay me to be a Christian. So now I have to produce results. Check out Matthew 4.19 again. What does it say? Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Did Jesus say I will make you catchers of men? This would be a good time for you to respond. Did Jesus say I will make you catchers? Then what do you say? I'll make you fishers. Fishermen don't always catch. We have bad days on the water. We have good days on the water with no catch. See, it's not up to you to catch the fish. That's his role. It's up to you to present the bait, to present the gospel, to share the good news. He made you a fisher, an evangelist, not necessarily a catcher. Will you sometimes have the privilege of setting the hook and reeling the fish in? I hope so. Because when you do, you'll be hooked. And I mean that pun, literally. You'll be hooked. There's nothing sweeter in my life than the moments where I have had somebody sitting across from me Sometimes with tears in their eyes, quivering. Sometimes just smiling and beaming like they got it for the first time. Oh, wow, why didn't anybody ever tell me? Dude, they've been telling you for years. You're one of those 14 times. They've been telling you. But you heard it for that time. And they pray, and they submit, and it's real, and their heart is changed, and you see the fruit in their life over the months and years ahead. There's nothing sweeter. But God didn't call you to be the catcher. He called you to be the fisher. Don't get frustrated when you fish, but don't catch. Just keep fishing. Our four fishing principles for today in review. Number one, you're licensed to fish. You are licensed to fish if you are a follower of Jesus. All Christians are called to fish. Let's go fish. Number two. Effective fishermen are strategic. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan when you go fishing. Who are you fishing for? Where will you fish? And what is your bait? What is your message when you fish for men? Number three, there's plenty of fish. There's plenty of fish. When you get frustrated out there, just remember, there's plenty of fish. Sperling's best places if you need the numbers to back it up. Number four, you got to go where the fish are. you got to go where the fish are, and as a part of going where the fish are, you've got to go where the fish are receptive, where they're ready to bite, ready to believe. Don't beat somebody who's not receptive. Go find somebody who is. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us to be fishers of men. Father, I thank you that somebody, somebody thought enough of that offer, of that call. Somebody thought enough of their fishing license to fish for me, to fish for the souls of those who are sitting here today. And Father, if anyone is sitting here this morning and is not a follower, 
I pray, God, that you are speaking to them and their heart through this message, opening them up to receive the truth about your son, Jesus, the truth about themselves, that they are sinners, but that he was sent to make them right with you, to forgive them for those sins, to give them life here and now and life in heaven for all eternity. Father, I pray that any like that would submit this morning. If that's you today, and you're receptive to the message that you have heard, a message of grace and forgiveness, a message of love, of peace, a message of redemption, then this is your chance. With every head in this place bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. And if you raise your hand in a moment, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer to receive that gift. I know the Spirit is working right now and that there are some in this room who are ready to make that commitment but are dealing with doubts and fears and are questioning whether or not it's right or real, or even right for them. I'm going to give you a moment to think about that, to pray about that, to let the Lord lead you in that. And again, if you're ready to make that faith decision, just raise your hand, and if so, we'll pray. That's awesome. That's great. It's the best decision that you will ever, ever make will set you free for all eternity. This morning, here is how you pray. It doesn't have to be word for word. Just kind of understand the thought behind. But God, I confess that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm, I'm messed up. Doing life my way doesn't work. It's got me to where I am, and this isn't where I want to be. God, this morning, I believe that there is a better way. That is through your son, Jesus, who you sent to take my punishment for my sins. To go to the cross and die for me. To rise from that grave three, day la three days later for me as well, that I might live as he lives. Jesus, I, I, I want to follow you. I want to become a fisher of men. You've caught me. Take my life. I'm yours. 